Let us turn in God's word this evening to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3. Text for this sermon will be the 12th verse of Ephesians 3, where we read, In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Let's now go back and read this chapter in its entirety. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you, word, that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he hath purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family of heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit and in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages world without end. Amen. Thus far we read God's holy and an errant word. May God bless the reading of his scriptures unto our hearts. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, there are moments in the lives of God's children that we can become so downcast and disheartened that we lack the confidence 
to go before God's throne of grace in prayer. There are times where we can become so overcome with doubts, so overwhelmed with the burdens of this earth, that we would hardly dare to lift up our eyes unto the Lord and pray to Him. And then as one turns to the pages of the Holy Scriptures, the Christian will find that his or her experience in that regard is not unique but that there are many other of God's people who have gone before us who have become so downcast that they could hardly utter a petition unto the Lord. Think of Gideon when he was called by God to be the judge of the Israelites and to lead the Israelites into battle and go fight against the Midianites who were oppressing the Israelites, and Gideon, in response to that calling of the Lord, objected. My family is poor, and I am the least in my father's house. How will I save Israel? Think of Joshua, who was appointed to lead the Israelites into the promised land of Canaan the leader who followed after Moses. And after Joshua was called to that position as Israel's leaders, he was so disheartened and overwhelmed with the responsibilities that were before him that it was necessary that God speak unto Joshua, saying, Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Or think of Elijah. Immediately after he enjoyed that victory on Mount Carmel, when God sent the fire down from heaven that consumed the altar, the sacrifice, and even the water that was in the ditch surrounding that altar. Where did Elijah go right after that event? He went a day's journey into the wilderness, sat down under a juniper tree, and there requested God to take his life. Such is the reality for the people of God that there are times where we can become so filled with a spirit of despondency and discouragement that one would almost be inclined to call out unto God to take his or her life. God comes to us as a tender, loving Father, and He gives unto us encouragement. 
necessary encouragement. He encourages us with the words of the text that we consider this evening in whom, speaking of Christ, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Let's consider this text this evening under the theme, Bold and Confident Access. Bold and Confident Access. First, access to whom? Second, access how? How do we approach the Father? And then third, access when? This text does not specify to whom we have access. It simply states that we do have access. In whom we have, ac- we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. But what this text does not explicitly state for us, the previous chapter, Ephesians 2, verse 18, does state explicitly for us. If you go back just one chapter, Ephesians 2, verse 18, for through him, this is speaking of Christ, for through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. The Father. That the Father is the one to whom we have access is further evident from the context in Ephesians chapter 3. Just a couple of verses after this 12th verse, we read in verse 14, For this cause I, Paul, bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. When the Apostle speaks by inspiration of us having access unto the Father, he is referring here unto the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We have access unto the Father, who of nothing created the heavens and the earth, and who by his providence upholds and governs all things. We have access unto the Son, who is God, who was born of a woman, who suffered all his life long, who died and who descended into hell. We have access unto the Spirit, who is God, and who is breathed forth as the holy breath of God from both the Father and from the Son. This God, to whom the Apostle declares that we have access, is also King. He's the Almighty Ruler of the heavens and of the earth. There is no one, no creature that does not answer unto God as king. He is responsible as king for the rise and the fall of nations upon this earth. He is responsible as king for the distribution of all things unto all creatures upon this earth. Even the birds of the air receive their food from the sovereign distribution of the king. The one to whom we have access is God. Who then are the ones who have access unto God? Who's the subject? 
The text says, we, in whom we have boldness and access. We, the context makes clear that we includes both Jews and Gentiles. That includes those who are of the physical lineage of Abraham, those who are descendants of Isaac and of Jacob. But the we also includes those who throughout the old dispensation did not belong to the house of Israel. Those who once were far off, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. We. The we includes all men, according to verse 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, the all men, certainly not referring to every person head for head upon the face of the earth having access unto God, but the all men referring to all of God's chosen men and women, all of the elect chosen from all of the nations of the earth have access unto God. A remarkable thought that countless thousands, if not millions, have access unto God at the same time. We, the text says, have access. Not just I, not just one individual at a time, but we collectively have access. Before cell phones were invented, if you wanted to get a hold of someone, you had to pick up the landline, dial the number and call the house on that landline. But if the person whom you called was already on the phone, then you would get a busy signal coming to you. You could not get through to that individual because the person whom you were reaching out toward was already talking with someone else. One person at a time. How different from that is our almighty God who does not require that we come to him one at a time, who never gives unto his people the busy signal, who although he is king of kings and lord of lords and responsible for the maintenance of everything in heaven above and in earth beneath, gives access to himself, through all, to, to all of his people. We have access unto God. That we are able to approach the Almighty God is a wonder of grace. It is a wonder of grace because of the greatness and the transcendence of our God. For the the saints of the Old Testament, this idea of coming before a king would have 
been firmly impressed upon their minds of what a great privilege that is. You did not just walk into the presence of an earthly king like David or Solomon, but if you wanted to come into the presence of the king, you first had to ask for permission. And then after asking for permission, then you had to wait for the king to consider your request. And then if he should approve your request and give the scepter toward you, then and only then you were welcome to come into the presence of the king. But even then, when you came into the presence of the king, you did well to be on your best behavior. You did well to be joyful in the presence of the king. Nehemiah 2 verse 2 tells us that Nehemiah was very sorrowful in the presence of the king. And because of that, he became, he became very afraid. And the reason for Nehemiah's fear was it was against accepted protocol to show your sorrow before the king. Having done that, then there was the fear that if the king was displeased with Nehemiah for revealing the sorrow of his face before the king, that the king then would take Nehemiah's life. That's the seriousness of coming before the great king. Who are we? who are creatures of the dust, to to have the right, the access, to come unto the King of kings, the Holy of holies, the great and terrible God. It's a wonder of grace. But then further, it's a wonder of grace as well that we have access to this great God when we consider our nature. Not only is it that we are creatures of the dust, but further, we are sinful. And because of our sins, there is by nature a division between God and the creature. There is a gulf, an inseparable gulf between the holy God and sinful man. Adam and Eve came to experience this very keenly in the garden. Prior to the fall into sin, Adam and Eve fellowshiped with God. They walked with God in the cool of the garden. But then what happened immediately after the fall into sin? They took to themselves fig leaves And when God came to visit them in the garden, they hid from God among the trees. That's what you and I would do by nature. The conscience of the sinful person smites him. The conscience, you know, is the handwriting of Jehovah God. Upon our souls. And what is the handwriting of Jehovah God apart from the blood of Christ? Guilty. 
condemned. Set apart, reserved for everlasting condemnation. By nature, not only is it the case that we would not have the right to come into the presence of God, but further it is the case that we would not want to come into the presence of God. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the holy and living God. It is then a wonder of grace that the Apostle declares here, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Him. How then do we have access unto God? In a word, it's faith. Faith. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Him. That's how God gives unto us the way unto Him by faith of Him which is Jesus Christ. Lacking faith in Jesus Christ, there is no confident approach unto the Father. Lacking faith, it's not only the case that we would be timid, fearful in our coming unto the Father, but lacking faith, it would be impossible to come unto the Father. Faith in Jesus Christ is the access unto the Father. Now faith, we must be reminded, is opposed to works. Faith in Jesus Christ always stands over against works and works righteousness. By nature, man would think that the way unto the Father is by his or her own works. It's because I've been faithful in church attendance. It's because I have been faithful in praying unto God. It's because I've been faithful in studying the Scriptures. It's because I've been generous in my giving to the causes of the kingdom that then because of those works, now the Christian says, I have access unto God. No, that is not the case. But over against works righteousness is Faith, the faith of Him which is Christ. Faith. Faith stands alone in the Word of God as the means by which we come unto the Father. Faith does not need to be artificially propped up. Faith does not need crutches to support it so that it does not fall over. But faith has the strength of itself to be the access unto the Father. Faith. It's faith of Him, of Christ. It's faith that comes from Jesus Christ. As Jesus Christ, exalted at God's right hand, pours out upon the New Testament church His Spirit. It's 
faith that not only comes from Christ, but faith that then brings us to Christ. It's faith that clings unto Jesus Christ. Faith which draws its strength from Christ. The strength of faith is the object of faith. Faith which drinks of Jesus Christ as the water of life. Faith not simply in a being, a higher spiritual being, but a concrete, specific, knowledgeable faith in Jesus Christ who is the mediator. Faith which is the instrument by which God gives unto us the blessings earned by the blood of the Lamb. Faith as it's given unto us by the Spirit of Jesus Christ brings a testimony unto us. It testifies in our consciences. It brings unto us a message that does not come from this earth, but a message that comes from heaven itself. Faith delivers unto us the message of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And this is the testimony that faith brings unto the child of God. You are righteous. You are holy. You are pure. Because of the finished work of God's only begotten Son. In stark contrast to the testimony of a guilty conscience, which testifies condemned, guilty, and damn worthy, the message of faith is holy and righteous and one who has access unto the Father. Romans 4, verse 5, To him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. That's how, beloved congregation, we have access unto God by the faith of Christ. This faith, as it's described for us in the text, is bold and it's confident. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Him. These words, boldness and confidence, are similar words one unto another. And yet there's a slight distinction between the two. Boldness has this idea. It means to be open or to be free. Boldness is the opposite of being reserved, hidden. The idea of boldness can be illustrated this way. It's like unto a son, a young son, who waits at home while his father is gone away for the return of his father at the end of the workday. The son, eager for the arrival of the father, 
has his nose pressed against the window, watching for Dad to come home from work. And then at last, as he sees Dad's vehicle drive up the driveway, the son then goes running out the door and with unrestrained exuberance, leaps into the arms of his father not restrained, not holding back, but open unto His Father. Boldness. And then confidence. In slight distinction, confidence emphasizes the idea of trust. Trust. To return to the illustration of the son, the son does run unto his father as his father returns home from work, and the son leaps into the arms of his father. Why? Because the son trusts his father. The son is not worried that the father is going to cast him off. The son is not fearful that the father is going to rebuke him for showing his enthusiasm that dad has come home from work. But when there is a healthy relationship between father and son, then that son, that father has demonstrated on many prior occasions his care and love for the son. The son is confident of the father's care for him and thus greets him with that level of enthusiasm. Both of these, both boldness and confidence, characterize the Christian's faith. Our Reformed fathers understood this when they wrote the Heidelberg Catechism Towards day seven, what is faith? Faith, a certain knowledge, and then assured confidence. So we who are the children of God then come unto Him boldly. We are open and free in our coming unto the Father. We do not come to the Father restrained. We do not feel as if we must hide things from the Father. There is no shame that would hinder us from coming unto the Father. Philippians 1, verse 20, According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. And then as well, we approach our Father in prayer with confidence, with trust. We trust that as we come unto Him and open ourselves up unto Him, that He will not cast us off, that He will not rebuke us, for our unrestrained enthusiasm in coming unto Him in prayer. But we know 
we have utmost confidence that he will receive us with his fatherly arms. We are confident because he has given unto us, has he not, countless reassurances and reminders of his steadfast love for us. He has preserved Israel of old. He gave them manna and water from the rock. He gave unto them the land of promise, kings to rule over them, wealth, riches untold during the reign of Solomon, peace. Just as God has preserved Israel of old, so we have the confidence that he preserves us who are the spiritual seed of Abraham. The smoking flax he will not quench, and the bruised reed he will not break. But what if one candidly confesses, I do not always have this confident and bold access unto the Father? What if one says at times, I feel very fearful and timid. I hardly feel worthy to come into the presence of the thrice holy God, the great and terrible One. And then that same individual might wonder if faith is confidence, if that belongs to the character of faith, that faith is confidence, and I lack confidence, then must I conclude that I do not have faith? Am I to consider myself not a child of God because I do not always have boldness and confidence in coming before His throne of grace? An answer to such doubts which are not uncommon We must remember in the first place that there are degrees of faith. And because there are degrees of faith, that means also that there are degrees of confidence. We are not always going to have the same level of assurance in our souls of the relationship that we have with Jehovah God. But for as long as we remain on this earth, and as long as the devil continues to work against us, and we have yet that sinful nature that resides against our will within us, then there are going to be seasons where we can fall into doubt and discouragement. In Mark chapter 9, there is recorded for us the account of a son who was possessed by a demon. The father, who was greatly distressed 
by the fact that his son was demon-possessed, went unto Jesus, and he cried out unto Jesus with tears, saying, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. That is the experience of most every child of God. I believe, on the one hand, there's faith. But at the same time, help thou my unbelief. Give to me, Father, more faith. And then as well, we must bear in mind that faith is worked by the Holy Spirit through the Gospel. So if we do struggle with doubts, and with fears, lacking confidence of faith, then let us not despair of the Lord's mercies, but let us persevere in the use of the means of grace. Wait for that season of richer grace to be given unto you. Psalm 18, verse 35, Thy right hand, hath holden me up, and thy gentleness hath made me great. When do we have access unto the Father? Always, always. The text states, in whom we have, is in the present tense, in whom we have boldness and access. The present tense of that verb, have, indicates that this is an ongoing reality for the child of God. It is not an intermittent blessing that God gives unto us. It is not the case that in some seasons of life we have access unto God, but then in other seasons of life we do not. The doors of heaven are shut unto us, but rather it is the case that always we have boldness and access unto the Father. Unlike those who would appear before the Old Testament kings, we do not have to wait before coming into the presence of the king. We do not have to submit a request unto God and then wait for him to answer that request and then only upon him giving the scepter unto us may we then advance into his holy presence. But God in his benevolence unto us gives unto us the ability to come unto his throne of grace in every moment of our lives. The right to enter has already been given unto us through the blood of the Lamb. And so before we even bow our heads down and utter a single word of prayer unto God, we know that for Jesus' sake, God will hear our prayer. Our God is the everywhere present God. 
He is with us in our joys and in our triumphs. And He is with us in our sorrows and in our failures. He is with us when we are surrounded by family and by loved ones. And He is with us when otherwise we are alone. Should it be the Lord's will that someday we suffer for righteousness' sake, that someday we are locked away in prison because of our faith, we will still, in that moment of time, have access unto God the Father. Let us then continually come before God's throne of grace. In the moment of need, in the moment of heartache, pray. As the father labors in the shop and the man next to him takes the holy name of God in vain, then let that father in the shop Pray silently unto God for wisdom to know how to respond to the coworker. When the child in school is teased by his classmates, let the child pray unto God for strength to keep his tongue and to love. When the mother wakes up in the middle of the night to tend to the cries of the young child, then let the mother come boldly to God's throne of grace. How amazing and how powerful is the faith of Christ by which We who are of this earth are ushered into the heavenly presence of God. Faith, which according to John is the victory that overcometh the world. Faith, which according to Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 is the gift of God by which we are saved from our sins. By faith, we have access unto God. Let us pray, not doubting, but trusting, that for Jesus' sake, God will receive us into his fatherly arms. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we come unto Thee because we love Thee. We come unto Thee because Jesus Christ, our elder brother, takes our prayers and perfects them and presents them unto Thee faultless. We come unto Thee by the Holy Spirit, who makes groanings on our behalf which we cannot even utter ourselves. We come unto thee, Father, because thou hast first loved us.
Wilt thou receive our worship and forgive the weakness of our faith. For Jesus' sake we pray this. Amen.